Welcome to the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan, and with us today is Claire, uh, host Claire Van Winkle of Rockaway Writers Workshop. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Good morning. So uh, today we're going to be celebrating the uh, one-year anniversary. Happy the- birthday Yay. to VJ's show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And this has been one year that the Truth to Power show has been coming out to you on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, so I'm going to... 
put out a call out for um uh call ins call ins <laughs> call for call ins yeah the number is 718-928-9732 and we'd like guests uh listeners to um call in to talk about shows they listen to favorite episodes or Anything that comes out to them, anything, and just kind of say hi, you know? And if you have any ideas for things that you would like to hear us talk about or the types of writers, artists, or musicians you would like to hear from, uh, give us a call and tell us about those, too. Yeah, definitely call out. And um, Otherwise, you have to listen to VJ interview me and vice versa, and we might disclose all kinds of personal secrets if you let us ramble on too much. No one <laughs> wants that. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so what's coming up for you? Like, uh, in the past year, we've been doing uh, different interviews, but this is our first time kind of trying to put out a call out for... Uh, Collins. For Collins. Call out for Collins. <laughs> I keep uh, keep thinking of call out Collins. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, what's coming up for me, at least, is that uh, we were talking about zines. I, I keep thinking zines but it's It's been so long since anyone has picked up an actual magazine that the shortened word has officially departed from its um root Root. yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so you're talking about zines so if anyone has their own zine or is running either a web zine or a uh print zine please call in or if there's anything in particular you would love to see in an up-and-coming zine tell us that too hint hint Exactly, exactly. We're both kind of interested. We have these dream projects for uh, starting a starting And you a could call and tell here. us about your dream project. Yeah. Okay, but keep going about yours. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean so, to kill your dream just there. That's okay. <laughs> um, so I was thinking about uh, the title being Bodhi Hive, like Bodhi being the enlightenment and the hive being the hive mind, and basically kind of finding the spaces for the collective to represent their wisdom, to represent their wisdom in politics specifically. And um, it would be quarterly. It would be a quarterly. So it's like so, a not scary, not dystopian hive mind. Though. Exactly. Okay. exactly yeah. <laughs> Just making the sure. positive hive mind. Just making though. sure you're not trying to brainwash us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting when you think about hive mind that, that it has brought on a negative quality to it, that we think but, about kind of drones and conforming. But actually, I think there's something very beautiful about it. Well, you, you can know? look at it in terms of the loss of identity or in terms of a social support system. Mm. Wow, it's so strange that those things can be on totally ep- separate uh, ends of the spectrum of scary and terrible. Exactly. Yeah, I think <laughs> that when it comes to um, Occupy Wall Street, I went to go visit their uh, camp during mm-hmm. uh, their time that they were occupying. Um and they had this interesting technique of amplifying where the, pe- the crowd would repeat. Mm-hmm. Like, a, I forget, like a mic or something. It was a mic, but it was like a mic. They would do mic check. They would say mic check, and then the group would repeat mic check, mic check. And they oh, would so call and response? Yeah, exactly. But they would repeat the words that they were saying. Right. So um, anything they were saying, they would just repeat like an amplification. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like uh, a hive mind because they're kind of amplifying. They weren't able to use actual mics. Mm-hmm. That, that was their technique of overcoming that barrier, yeah. And there are certain times when shared ideas, uh, sometimes it's good to copy people's ideas. Like if somebody's doing really awesome, something really awesome or good for the community and you're like, ooh, that's so cool. Mm. I should try that too so I can be cool. It doesn't matter why you're doing it. You should do it because you're still doing a good thing. So kind of following somebody else's lead can be positive. 
Exactly, exactly. And I, I and as I've talked about, we can influence people for good. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and as I've talked about, uh, improv uses the hive mind. And I think there's, for the most part, it's really great material that comes out of improv. I think improv is a really great thing. And, and exploring the hive mind in that sense, kind of understanding that we're uh, amplifying each other. We're kind of trying to find the places of commonality and trying to find a synergy in a group synergy. You know, so that's really, it, it has a very uh, amazing results it's interesting though because i'm a dancer i don't know if you knew that um i sort of need to do it more and get back in shape but i was a modern dancer and choreographer and i used to work with other dancers who did a lot of contact improv but honestly that didn't really feel like a hive it was more like a contact sport (laughs) Mm. But not only in the way it's kind of like, I'll throw you this challenge to see how you react to this. And we'll start to fall down and see if we can do it gracefully. And just so it's almost like challenging each other. So it's strange because I've done some improv acting, too. And it Mm. is a totally different experience when you're like trying to get people on the same page versus pushing them off balance. Exactly, exactly. And to go return to the, the zine idea. So Bodhi Hive would be a collection of uh, essays as well as poetry and fiction, but kind of more focused on the process papers to kind of get to social criticism. Can you explain what you mean by process papers? Yeah, process papers <laughs> basically means like um, looking at either canon, uh, classic poets, or contemporary and new poets, and kind of being able to understand how they connect to social, political, or socio-psychological themes, and kind of just taking a moment to like almost do like an academic kind of way but for lee readers and so it would be kind of like if one of our listeners who happened to be a writer were to call in and read us her poem and then tell us all about where the inspiration came from and why it's applicable to life social issues love whatever today right wouldn't that be kind of like the process great and you can call in at 718-928-9732 that's 718-928-9732 and we'll just put you on air. So, Do no. you know how to put somebody on the air? With yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just making good, sure. Good, yeah. <laughs> so I hear the, I have to hear, we have to listen for the, the ring. Is so it once, loud? It, once it rings. Uh, we're total pros, by the yeah. way. <laughs> we've all done this before, but I've done this before. But, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> so but, uh, don't yeah, ask, no worries, go no be gentle. Don't ask me questions that are too hard or I might, <laughs> I might not know the answer. Good, good. I can so, barely figure out which microphone to talk into. <laughs> <laughs> I have the uh, subheading, a, a tagline for um, the Bodhi Hive Quarterly as called uh, progressive, uh, subver- the Subversive Progressive Quarterly for Meditative Politics. So we have progressives. I think, I'm thinking about rearranging them every quarter. So we have like the progressively subversive quarterly for meditative you politics. You have a new byline every single yeah, quarter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm good yeah. at bylines. Yeah, I can yeah. help with that. I I'm like good rearranging. at cheesy little, you know. All of, every single time I create a new writing workshop theme, it always has a title and a byline. This one is actually called Revolutions. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's... Um, well, I forget my own byline. Anyway, if you're interested in the... Writing Workshop Revolutions. Uh, we're ex- pushing back our registration date until after the holidays. So you can check rockawaywritersworkshop.org. And this workshop is for everybody writing anything, but um, it's focusing on how to 
have arcs within the text. So how to spiral your way through a a complex story or poem and to find the little revolutions in your own work. It's not necessarily, it's not meant to be political, but can be if that's what you're into. But it's kind of about finding that revolutionary tension within all kinds of writing. Good, good. I remember in uh, high school, actually, I did this junior newsletter uh-huh. uh, that uh, we published for the class. And I used the, uh, I would put news about what was going on in the school because I was elected to student government. So I put news about the school and then I have like. Did, every, did you ha- like have a meditation portion added to the school curriculum? <laughs> no, I mean, at that time I wasn't as focused on that, but mm-hmm. I did have opinion, opinion articles, like a pro and con. Okay. And I have like, How old were you? Uh, I was in junior in high school, so I must have been 16 or 17 or something. Uh, so um, I had like a pro and con article, and I have like news. Do these still exist? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you I think should bring I know them in. I, yeah. And then uh, I, I, call, I subtitled the um, uh, newsletter, Printing All the News That Fits. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know. Now it's a little more like popular. That. Yeah, I like but, that a lot. Yeah. So I just fit in. I had a template, and mm-hmm. I would just fit in as much as I could. And because of the fact that I had the template and I had to, if some little thing was a gap, I just put a picture in or I fit something in there to, to fit into that template. Yeah. Oh, I remember the byline for revolutions. Uh-huh. False starts, full circles, and finding the point. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah I like finding the point on the, on the Point, you know, you know in the point, circle because yeah, there's the point no circle. point. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Vijay, I have yeah. a question for you. Uh-huh. What is the worst thing you have ever written? Um, actually, I wrote something I discussed on uh, one of our uh, one of our other shows on Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, Lost and Rewound, where I wrote this play called Wide Awake mm-hmm. in college. And uh, it was a very uh, inaccessible work, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. But I've been looking at it again and kind of revisiting it and thinking about what was the thought? Not necessarily, not necessarily the writing itself, but what was the thought that pushed me through writing this, this one-act play? Um, and, and trying to think about that. And when I saw Suspiria, which is a new, um, 2018 movie. I think there's uh, a lot of scantily clad, uh, dancing girls. Exactly. Exactly. I'm totally going to go see that. It's really good. And it's a, a movie about a woman who auditions for a dance troupe. And it turns out the dance troupe is a coven of witches. Oh, wow. So it's really, that doesn't give away too much, I don't think. But, uh, because that's kind of, they tell you that in the beginning. But, um. They're basically like the supernatural element to it. Uh-huh. And, um, oh, there's a supernatural element to everything with scantily like clad yeah, women yeah. dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good. So uh, it also is a remake of a, 2000, uh, a 1977 movie. But um, this one I saw, and I was like, oh, that was kind of what I was trying to go for with Wide Awake. That was a thought, but it didn't quite express it correctly. But um, about acting and about the supernatural, the bardo, uh-huh. I wanted to explore, like how... Uh, States of being are actually we're just actors and we're just kind of taking on these roles and discarding these roles. And we kind of have that. We don't remember uh-huh. what is going on until we kind of pass into the next state. You so know? essentially, you're saying that the worst thing you ever wrote was a really awesome idea that you're probably going to revisit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wonderful yeah. to be you. <laughs> <laughs> so the thought, I think, I think I had a nugget there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't have sat there for so many hours, you know, writing it. Mm-hmm. Um but as far as poems go, I remember there's this one poem I wrote, The Enigma. Uh, that was the first poem I wrote. Mm-hmm. And it's called, it goes, um, The Enigma, why do you hate the world so much? Are you truly free? 
You're the one I know is broke while I am gone into the red of the violet smoke. I mean, it's interesting, but it just really... Very enigmatic. Uh, very enigmatic, yeah. <laughs> when did you write that? Uh, junior or senior in college? At high school, high school? Mm. Sorry, yeah, high school. So my first poem, I think, in high school that I wrote, I was like, I think I was responding to a specific, you know, relationship. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really say much. You know, I just kind of just using well, this language. given the title. Yeah, the enigma, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's either brilliant or a cop-out in terms of titles go. <laughs> yeah. I can't decide which. It's kind of like when uh, at the end of a script, they're like, you wake up from a dream. It was all a dream. It's yeah. kind of like either cop-out or... <laughs> God, you yeah. don't know how many times I wish that moment came to me during real life. It's yeah. a dream. It's the whole play you just saw was just a dream. <laughs> they just disregarded it all, you know? That's a real cop-out ending, you know? Yeah, totally. So anybody want to talk to us, go to 718-928-9732. Call in and we'll chat. Or alternately, you could call in to talk to us at 718-928-9732. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, what about you? What's a past writing that you kind of cringe at? Well, I thought yours were going to be bad. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I remember the first poem I ever wrote, but it was in seventh grade. Yeah. Um, You want to hear it? Yeah. I remember it. Okay, I was a really weird kid. Um. So, yeah, it's called Darkest Night. Darkest night, no stars or light to comfort emptiness. Some will freeze and some will seize the devil's darkest kiss. Take me, hold me, dare unfold me, dare to see inside. Take my hand and understand that darkness is your guide. The night is dark and like a shark, it creeps to seize its prey. I fall and kneel and suddenly feel no longer is there day. (laughs) <laughs> hey, seventh grade Claire, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> I feel like the dark, 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 dark and shark tribe. Yeah, I love that. Oh, wasn't that clever? <laughs> that was clever. Goodness, was I remember clever. writing that during like the silent reading period uh-huh. in my religion class at in elementary school, and thinking I was like totally artistic and shit. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I liked it. It, well, yeah. I'm glad you liked I it, but it. The, the whole it was yeah, good part. Thank you for being kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, what, what, what other things do you have to share about writings or past writing? How you evolved? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the the first thing one of one of the uh, I don't know if it's really smart, but one of the more um, deep and I guess heavy thoughts that I had about writing was um, something that I was discussing with a patient who was literally having an existential crisis (laughs) and without revealing anything about the patient, basically um, she had some really cool stuff to say about how, and it was so logical. It was a bit upsetting Kind of saying like, well, everybody convinces you and tries to give you proof that living is good and life is good. But isn't there just as much proof the other way? Like, aren't our therapists a bit closed minded if they won't even discuss like the concept of of suicide? Mm. So I'm sitting one on one with this person and suddenly it has become my job to convince her that life is worth living. Mm. (laughs) No pressure, right? Yeah. Anyway, so I decided that. Life is writing. Mm. So if you write down what you've done during the course of a day, then if you want to be in 
existentialist in terms of the meaning and the point, right? It doesn't necessarily, they're not saying happy ending, Mm. happy discovery. They're saying meaning, point. Well, you have written something today. That is a conclusion. It's something that is proof of existence. It's something that can only happen if you exist. So I basically said that if you want to look at the, I guess, philosophy of it, um, writing is not about publication or even necessarily communication. It's about being alive and taking a moment to capture that in some way. Obviously, you can go and do creative things and write to an audience, and that's even better. Mm. But for all that, there's kind of, I, I mean, too much to say, almost. Um, I think instead of me trying to give a bunch of instructions on how to write, you guys should all just come to my workshop exactly, sometime. Exactly. Yeah, I'll make a-, a discount code for Radio Free Brooklyn. It's really great. Uh, Claire is a really great uh, instructor, and she has very great insights. So I think you'll, anyone who's listening will benefit. Oh, and uh, I won't just—I won't just get you all into a room and be like, "Writing is life, guys." <laughs> Let's free write on that. Yeah, I promise. Yeah. It's more structured. Also, what comes up for me is the uh, the you know, there's different concepts: there's meaning, there's happiness, there's um, you know, kind of the but where and where we find the convergence. You know, whether or not life is about pursuing happiness and bliss or whether life is about really finding a meaningful existence. And what is that really unpacking what a meaningful existence really is? Uh, you already yeah. said it. It's pursuing. Pursuing, yeah. So yeah. pursuing whatever, mm. right, in, it implies, mm. uh, requires that you have a purpose in mind. Yeah. So like our intention should bring us towards a, a stated goal or in the future. But uh, at the same time, we, uh, there's also that tension with Teachings that are like, oh, be here now. I'm being the president. Everything's now. But Well, consider know, yeah. this, though. Mm. When you decide, even if it's because you've had a bad day, I am going to go to the store, get a pint of soy delicious vegan ice cream, because that would be what I'd do <laughs> in the middle of the night. And I'm going to sit down and damn it, I'm going to eat that whole thing and I'm going to cry. It's like that is not a super happy thing to do, but mm. it's a goal and that ice cream is going to taste good. And I don't think that's not being in the moment. I think that is recognizing the moment. Even if you say, I am going to meditate now, you're making, you're pursuing the mission of being in the moment. Yeah. So pursuit is the same thing as decision, but it implies that the process will be longer. Whereas decision is a noun that happened or just a noun that is done. Once you say decision, it's already um, finished. Mm. Um, Decide is a verb. Pursuit is an ongoing noun. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's so interesting to think about how uh, when we formulate our thoughts, there's such a, you know, within self-talk and within uh, talking about our experience there's such a revelation of our inner experience. You know, that there's mm-hmm. something and just there's something like inexpressible, but at the same time when we start to articulate it, we and then look over and kind of reflect, we find a, a real analogy, we find some real insights, you know? That or we tear yeah. it up and start all over again. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but here's another piece of advice. Never throw anything away. That poem that I just read, I still have that. I still have that journal from seventh grade. It's good because you can revisit things and then 
have a whole and you remember or you it can connect the thought or connect the the idea and then try to re it's always the way you express things i think that is the major obstacle in writing or the way you just yeah. randomly are tired or not thinking right and make a mistake and it turns out to be brilliant even if you only get one good line every 15 pages you could have a poem by the time you finish a journal right so exactly, yeah. it's it's kind of i think that the only well one one thing that is like active self-denial is, oh, I don't like not not because when people tear up journals, it's not all just creative stuff that they don't like. They're like, oh, I don't want to admit that I felt this, this or this. I'm going to tear it up. But it's really braver to save it. Yeah, yeah. Because tearing it up, no one has ever seen it but you. Probably very, very like less people would care about you in high school than you may want to think like most people have enough going on now to not judge you for boys you liked in high school mm. or anything um unless you married them and they're still assholes then i guess maybe uh-huh. there'd be a problem yeah. <laughs> but anyhow uh yeah try being brave enough to save your journals yeah. and to use your journals and to not get too caught up on like separating creative thing from creative things from your journaling i would think uh you know something that's been coming up for me is uh um Frederick Nietzsche, you know, he uh, was someone He has who, a tendency to come up. Has, yeah, yeah. He's been coming up for me just because, like, <laughs> you know, not only the celebrity sadhana or how to meditate with the hammer, my poetry book drew from his energy because, you Which know, you can purchase. We can purchase. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can find out more at vjrnathan.com, see some samples from or that. Or buy it on Amazon. Or buy it on Amazon. Or buy even from, if, you, if you're against Amazon, I can understand at this point. Yeah. But uh, Book Baby also has, I have the link to the Book Baby. Okay, fine. So Book Baby, uh, what I'm going to say is if you don't call in, you better well go buy that book right now and then we forgive you for not calling it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should buy it right now. And uh, if you already have it, flip through and call in and share your fa- favorite poem with us. 718-928-9732. We should have made a jingle. So what I was going to say was, <laughs> what I was going to say was, um, yeah, I use the meditate with the hammer, philosophize the hammer. I use that with all of the idols. And then, uh, you know, I started researching a little bit more about it. You know, I mean, I've been aware of that. His writings and will to power, you know, like uh, his last writings, uh, you know, it's what I read and what I've understood, you know, he was going, he was kind of, he's always been a, in a, in his life, he's always been a trajectory of like writing and then revising, writing and revising, and then all that, the will to power got hijacked, mm-hmm. you know, by the the Nazi movement and, and, you well, know, Ubermensch is yeah. kind but I, mm-hmm. I do believe his thoughts were hijacked, like in other words, mm-hmm. like they were twisted and used, obviously. In a way that he did not intend. I'm gonna and go. I, think, I don't yeah. know enough about yeah. him to so it's really speculate. But I, my point was just thinking about saving writings that, um, you know, yeah. I mean, just basically how his, his last writings or less writings were, were, you know, kind of things, incomplete thoughts that people later filled in blanks that he. I think he didn't intend. You know? Ooh, I can share yeah. with you something an exercise that we would at my writer's workshop so yeah. listeners can know and you can know what's in store for you because I think we're going to do this next, um, you're coming next Thursday right? Probably yeah. Okay so if you have those old journals what if you are writing a character who is a very pissed off 15 year old girl at a snooty terrible Jesuit high school well now I could write that character because I was one and I, I don't remember what I cared about or I, I do to a certain extent. I remember the important stuff, but 
The thing is, our characters live through a lot of days that are not important days. We need to get the everyday of our characters' voices. And there are so many people who appear, like, our life experience is what we're drawing on. That's our research. So if you keep your journals, then you can go and look for that stuff that you don't like and know that it should go into the mouth of a different character. And what a wonderful resource to have. I also encourage my students to like spy on people and record them without their knowledge. <laughs> I have had a few people who actually have ethical, who, who have scruples about that. So I guess it would be nice to be like, okay, well, why don't you go eavesdrop on yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's because like sometimes I overhear things and, you know, randomly, uh, completely out of context. And you're like, what conversation did that come yeah. out of? You well, know, that's, like... that's actually a prompt that I use for my students when um, as a as a warm up exercise, I'll take those snippets that I hear and say, like, write the rest of the scene. Mm -hmm. And also, if you're interested, um, that is something that happens uh, that I put sometimes in the writing prompts. Uh -huh. that if you follow Rockaway Writers on Instagram, Facebook, and or Twitter, though I, I don't understand Twitter. I'm really bad at it. Yeah. So it's better to, I'm working on it. It's better to uh, follow Instagram. Um, every single day, and Facebook is good too, a, write, a writing prompt is posted at around 10 or 11 in the morning. So I have all of these prompts that some are dialogue prompts, some are situational prompts. Um, some are poetry prompts, et cetera. And uh, yeah, if you ever need some inspiration as your day is getting started, you should check out the prompt. Yeah. yeah. Listeners and follow me and stuff. Yeah, Make the, me feel liked. I have the Facebook <laughs> fan page, uh, VGR Nathan Poet, at VGR Nathan Poet. And uh, mostly I end up cross-posting stuff from my personal page. But uh -huh. uh, it's good to like have you know people follow that page as well, VGR Nathan Poet. On the Facebook following. page, and then uh, um, you can find out more about you know Celebrity Sadhana, about Escape from Samsara, the two books I publish, as well as I'll be posting some stuff about the the zine that might be might be upcoming. I'll probably just be generating community interest and um, people who want to co-create uh, the zine about Bodhi Hive, you know, Enlightened Collective. Um, so. Yeah, definitely write into me. Uh, I actually bought the, uh, I not really bought, but I bought the domain, but also I, I got the Gmail, bodihive at gmail.com. So if you're specifically interested in exploring uh, the zine, then you could write into bodihive at gmail.com and just, you know, pitch me or something. I don't know. I'll probably do a submittal or something, but I don't know. It's all kind of evolving. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And since you guys have left us here to just talk about whatever we want <laughs> and make um, make demands of you and talk to each other and just ramble on. Um, this could be interesting for some people. Uh, Rockaway Writers Workshop recently hosted VJ's uh, book launch party for sub uh, Celebrity Sadhana. And we also had the first in what was going to be a reading series called See and Hear, S-E-A, like the ocean. Exactly, exactly. Get it? <laughs> See in here um, where we had German translator uh, Anne Poston reading some of her translations and original work. And unfortunately, Vijay, I don't know if you know this, that space is closing. Oh, really? At the end of the month. Wow. So it's a beautiful space. If anyone is in Rockaway, Rockaway Love Yoga is awesome. Uh, look up Rockaway Love and take classes there while we're still around because it's a really beautiful space and actually also inexpensive um but yeah so you should take advantage of of that space while you can but 
in a more self-serving note, if anybody knows of or owns a venue that is anywhere near the Rockaways um, or Forest Hills Mm. and would like to host or put up, I guess, give shelter to a monthly writing series. No Rockaway Writers Workshop cannot pay for this privilege because we're barely breaking even. But if somebody would like to add that to their cafe or warehouse or pizza place or whatever, um, please email uh, info at rockawaywritersworkshop.org or um, check me out on Facebook and direct message me on whatever media, but probably not Twitter because I'm not good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I'll put out to Peony that uh, 100 Bogart Street, the venue that hosts Ready Free Brooklyn, is putting out um, opportunity for a a 10-day, at least like 10 days for people to try out co-working space and then to sign a lease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you guys come to, if you want a a co-working space and use 100 Bogart Street, just tell them Ready Free Brooklyn referred you, and then we'll get a discount, you know, from our How much? rent. A 10% discount. Excellent. So uh, definitely, I want you guys, if you're looking for a co-working space, to check out 100 Bogart Street. It's, it's really right great. Yeah. by the Morgan Owl. Yeah, exactly. Like, right by to where when it's super cold and horrible in a couple of months, it's not too far away. It's not too depressingly far away. Mm. Good, good. So, yeah, if people want to check out. Uh, information about uh, Rockaway Writers, uh, about hosting them, or, or looking at 100 Bogart Street as a co-working space. You can either uh, check out 100 Bogart Street, or you could write in to Truth to Power Show Gmail. Just, just write into yeah. Truth to Power Show and talk to yeah, us. Or to call us, us yeah. now. We can tell you what the space looks like. We can hang out here. You could talk to us while we send you pictures and stuff. You could like go live or whatever. It would be great. 718-928-9732. <laughs> so feel free to call in. Um. We still have about 25 more minutes. We so, do. Yeah. I mean, we can definitely fill yeah. that. Yeah. Um. So, so let's talk about the song. We played the song. Um, no Me Quite Pas. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about. Uh, uh, it was a really great song. I really enjoyed it. You if know? you ever want to know, and, and uh, fair warning, um, this is about me. If you ever want to know what it looks like inside my head, watch the official music vid- video for Regina Spector's No Me Quite Pas. Like, for real. If and you, if you know me at all, you'll understand. It means don't leave me. Don't leave me, yeah. Yeah, so um, I started listening to Regina Spector uh, when I was living in Paris, and she made me happy. And it, I don't know, I don't usually listen to a lot of happy music. Um, I, I, the happiest music I listen to is usually Tom Waits. And I don't know, it's not that happy. So... Uh, Regina Spector, she has a lot of sad songs, too, but um, some are a little bit more cutesy. Uh, but they are definitely upbeat, some of them. And so Numikite Pa was a song that I listened to a lot. Like, I, the first time I heard it, I was living in Paris. And, you know, just the whole I love Paris in the rain and hated New York and was... I think I, this was actually the year before I moved to Paris. But so it was kind of my... The world is terrible. I need to be happy. I'm going to cry and listen to Numikite Pa on, re- on repeat. But it also has all the, um, you know, in the Bronxy Bronx, the kids go sledding down snow-covered slopes. I thought it was apropos. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you are the ghost of New York City, won't you stick around? That is very good, yeah. And people will know in the past year, I'll play different songs that are coming up for me or songs that, um, that I've been listening to and 
uh, each episode will feature at least one song, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes two. Um, and over the over the course of the year, I've been uh, meeting new and new indie indie artists. Uh, just give a shout out to Death by Piano. It's Yay. a very good kind of a very good uh, duo that works on um, uh, something. Uh, in my year, it sounds it kind of has a similar sound to Radiohead, mm-hmm. uh, but a little bit more, you know meditative i guess i don't know it's, it's got I, a little I mean, bit less cool yeah I mean, it's, it's very good it's very good i, I, I meant that in a yeah. good way I mean. yeah yeah a little bit in the uh well they're emerging you know, yeah I hope, I hope no 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 no. Yeah. no i i'm when i said like cool yeah, exactly. i'm yeah i didn't mean like necessarily yeah. in a good way more in a like kind of the main, uh, mainstream big yeah, uh, mainstream, yeah yeah exactly a little less mainstream yeah but um yeah and then uh we also had uh we had many different musicians playing on the show uh and you know they're really great and definitely if any if any musicians want to call in 718-928-9732 and we could talk a little bit about their music before we go off or um, if, if you listener if you listeners crave the power of being able to decide on a song and stream that song out to other people you could even call in at 718-928-9732 and ask us to play a song and unless it's like really terrible we'll definitely (laughs) do it we'll probably play it even if it's terrible because we want you to call and stuff yeah so uh vj what creative projects are you working on now so i have uh i have a bunch of miscellaneous writing that i'm trying to you know collect to figure out okay, oh yeah did you do your homework into? yeah what did it fall into uh-huh so oh I wait that into... wasn't your homework your homework was to do the four lines per oh yeah yeah so i have a lot of different projects <laughs> a lot of different projects that i'm thinking about and ideas or through lines or themes or collections or whether it be poetry or plays or fiction or essays i don't know my mind just goes in all different directions uh-huh. so uh um i almost feel worried to spotlight that because i'm like is it gonna happen then well, but, um, no, you need to. So, my advice for VJ, and this is for anybody who gets into the whirlwind of um, tons of projects, some started, some just ideas, mm. tons of notes, but not actually getting too deeply into one. Mm. One of the reasons that happens is just anxiety because we either have this idea and think we're going to forget it, or it's great to generate ideas, but when the time comes to actually then focus on one, Suddenly there's that sort of performance anxiety. Can I do this? And it's just less fun. I mean, yeah. it gets fun as soon as you start writing. But the initial, like coming up with a plan and finding that discipline is sometimes not as fun as just brainstorming and having no rules. Mm. So what I suggest doing is taking all of the projects that you have, all of your ideas, sitting down and writing them about them just it, in ca- as though you had to explain the project to somebody in four sentences or fewer, okay? So you describe each, like, as though it were an abstract, even of a creative piece, in four sentences or less. Um, fewer. Yeah. <laughs> it must be early. Anyhow, uh, if you cannot do this, then the idea is not fully developed enough to start if you're, I mean, of course you can start anything, but if you're trying to prioritize which projects to start first mm. and which to develop a little bit more, if you can get an idea of your project, a vague idea, even in four sentences, I mean, it doesn't have to stay with that idea, but it means that you are having 
an organized conversation with yourself in your mind. And it will help any writing um, partners or teachers or friends to understand if you're workshopping your work. So if you just have those four sentences, you know, that will it also forces you to decide whether or not a spoiler is appropriate for your workshop. Because mm-hmm. sometimes uh, the we want our readers to we want to ask our readers questions and we want to hear that they're asking certain kinds of questions. But sometimes we're like in workshop. Everybody's had that moment where somebody says something. This character is a real asshole. And we're like, no, wait, just wait until chapter 10 when uh-huh. this happens. And then at the end, they're in love and they get married. and He dies for her. But then he comes back to life because he was really a vampire or whatever. And it's kind of like, OK, well, that changes ev- all of the notes that I just made it's cool that that's going to surprise the readers, but sometimes spoilers are good if you're getting help with your work. Yeah. Like a foreshadowing you mean, or like, no, kind of I'm saying that before or telling them, telling them the abstract, like that this well, kind of, I'm building up. Yeah. So when you look at the uh, cover copy, the, mm. the back matter of a book, it's never going to tell you what happens at the end. Mm. And in a workshop, I think that sometimes we fall into the habit of trying to entertain oh, yeah. instead of work. Yeah, And so I'm writing a, a psychological thriller anti-mystery. I don't know what it is. I've never <laughs> written a book before. I don't really know what I'm doing. But when I start to tell people about it, they're like, oh, don't tell me the end. And I'm like, can't I please so that you can tell me if it sucks or not? <laughs> and like, because you, yeah, it's when you're writing with people, um, mm. it's about it's about the process and exactly. the process involves thinking ahead. Yeah. So one thing I had, I worked on uh, 2017, a new works grant from Queens Arts Council to work on a project that ultimately became the paparazzo poet meditations mm-hmm. and having that clear through line, or having a clear vision of really what it was about helped me. Cause I, I took 10 days off uh, from work and, uh, and I leave. And then basically I worked for 10 days and I finished the manuscript, which is it's mm. 50 pages. But the point is I was able to, kind of complete the vision of what I had in a short amount, relatively short amount of time um, because I had clear perception of, you know, where it was beginning, where it was middle and where was the end. And then that, that helps a lot when you have a clear idea about what you're targeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm probably going to continue that series, the pop arts of poet meditations to a book two. Uh-huh. Uh, so I've, I have a few poems written up. I've, I've selected some celebrities that I'm going to spotlight uh, as in meditative moments and the book the first book kind of looks at different celebrities and, and puts them in a meditative arc um, looking at uh, for example the dreams their dreamscapes uh, Winona Ryder I, I used as a as a symbol or as a character mm-hmm. uh, where I looked at some of her anxiety dreams around her uh, kleptomania phase mm-hmm. you know where she was where she was arrested at uh Saks Fifth Avenue. For stealing socks, stealing which is kind of yeah. awesome. A lot of, I think a lot of clothing. Yeah, I know, but they, uh, for some reason, them, yeah. okay, yeah. so for some reason, the magazines, yeah. <laughs> magazines and yeah. newspapers <laughs> made a big thing about her stealing like a bunch of pairs of these way overpriced socks. Uh-huh. And frankly, I, this was the only, this was in the headlines and stuff. And I just chose not to read on to yeah. see if she stole anything else because I loved the vision that I had of like Winona Ryder stuffing her bra full of socks <laughs> or something, yeah. right? And just the idea of, I, I mean, it is tragic to be a kleptomaniac. You know, it's 
kind of, I don't know if she, I mean, she's cool and weird. Maybe she just was doing it for fun and decided to steal socks for whatever reason. But it's also kind of, it's a compulsion. I don't want to say like, oh, that's so awesome. But, yeah, I mean, definitely the way it's depicted in media is one thing. And the, right. the personal experience. Wait, you mean is media like, is not real life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely the poetry book kind of analyzes and explores kind of that dual vision and kind of along the lines of, in my vision, of, you know, the purpose of, or kind of going, getting the, the prompt of um, Nietzschean idea of the Twilight of the Idols that we're dismantling these idols and we're mm-hmm. kind of looking at them more critically. And then today's modern day idols, today's modern day, um, you know, uh, Hollywood gods or whatever, we're kind of dismantling them and looking at these people and kind of connecting the humanity mm-hmm. as well as, you know, looking at the, the whole culture of uh, fame and celebrityhood and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all these different themes come up. I have an idea because uh-huh. you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that the listening audience is either asleep or having morning sex right now. And he's not <laughs> going to call in. So uh, I was wondering if one of two things, either you, maybe we should each choose our favorite po- uh, poem by someone else and our favorite poet poem that we've written. Uh-huh. And if you have, or if you have a poem that was inspired by somebody else's poem, Mm-hmm. Do you have any of those? I have some convergence, but uh, yeah, I have to look uh, and memorize them. But do you? Yeah, I would have you it be able to? Computer. Yeah. So would you be able to? Uh, Pull it up. I, yeah, I can. Yeah. I can start us off. Do you like uh-huh. that idea? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I guess what we're gonna do um, is we're going to share with you our favorite poem uh, by not necessarily famous poem poet, but someone who isn't us and then we are going to share either just our favorite piece of original work or um original work linked to the poem we've just shared um and perhaps we'll also talk just a little bit about that kind of process or analytical thinking that we would be looking for if we asked for submissions for um body hive okay so my one of my biggest inspirations on my current full length collection of poetry uh, in the works is Linda Hull. Um, I wish we had more time because then I tell you all about her, but we don't. So I won't. Um, and it, Linda Hull has she's uh, called a female jazz poet uh, by Yusuf Kuminyaka uh, in his foreword to her collected works. And I think what I like about her is that atypical rhythm kind of reminds me of Tom Waits and the way she sort of slides through rhyme and structure. So I came up with an exercise or I adapted an exercise that um, I had been given in undergraduate where you do a call and response poem line for line with a poem that you choose and then you edit it down. Oh, and this will let me redeem myself with like how to write about how to write dark stuff about death because this is a very deathy poem too, but it's actually good. Uh, so I took Linda Hall's um, address from Sweet for Emily, which is probably her most famous set of poems. I'll read you hers and then I'll read you my adaptation. Hello, death angel, old familiar, old nemesis. In the deepest hours, I have recognized your floating shape. I've seen your breath seduce the torn curtain Masking the empty window, have crouched with you in the doorway, curled in the alley, hooded in your essence and shadow, have been left blue, heart-stopped for you, for yours. Death, 
you are the bead in the raptor's eye. Death, you dwell in the funneling depths of the heavens beyond each star's keening shrill. Death, you are the potion that fills the vial, the night the monuments have swallowed. You live in the maimed child wrapped in a wreckage of headlines. Death, you center in the fanged oval of the prison dog's howl. Death, you dwell within the necropolis we wake to in nightmares' hot electric wind. You glint the edge of the boy's razor, patient in the blasted stairwell. Everywhere you walk deep lawns, TVs pollinating the air, and animals wired up to dance for their food with executions and quiz shows. You're in the column of subway wind roaring before each train's arrival. I've seen you drape thoughtlessly a woman's hair across her face as the shot carried her forward into stop time and beyond anything she's laid her money down for. Death, your silver works swiftly through the bloodstream. Hello, death angel. Plague is your sister. I've seen her handiwork, heard the tortured death, watched her loosen the hands of dazzling boys from each other. For love, for love. I've seen the AIDS hotels and sick ones begging homeless in the tunnels, the whispered conspiracies. Shameless emissaries with your powders and wands, your lunar carnivorous flowers. Tricks, legerdemain. I've seen you draw winged, uh, veined wings over the faces of sleepers, the abandoned, the black feather that sweeps so tenderly. I've seen you stain the scribe on the pavement, the glossy canopy of leaves you weave. I've seen waste and ruin, known your kingdom for delirium, the furious thumbprints you've scored on the flesh of those you choose. I've seen you slow dance in a velvet mask, dip and swirl across dissolving parquet. I've seen you swing open the iron gate, garden-spired in valerian skullcap blue vervain. Seen you stir in the neat half-moons, fingernails left absently in a glazed dish. Felons, I've cursed you in your greed, have spat and wept, then acquiesced in their wake. Without rue or pity, you have marked the lintels and blackened the water. Your guises multiply, bewildering as the firmament's careless jewelry. Death, I have welcomed you to the rooms where plague has lain when the struggle is past and lit the candles and blessed the ash. Death, you have taken my friends and dwell with my friends. You are the human wage. Death, I am tired of you. So I wrote a call and response poem to this where I um, actually went line by line and used her grammar but first, Vijay, do you have your uh, first poem to share? Uh, the poem by a poet? Yeah. Oh, should I say that? Okay. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my other one out and oh, okay, you do okay. that. So this poem um, is by Dylan Thomas. It's something that I, I think about a lot. It says, it's go, it's, uh, do not go gentle into that good night. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at the close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise man at their end, no dark is right, because their words have forked no lightning they. Do not go gentle into that good night. Good man, the last wave by, crying how bright. Their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Old man who had caught and sang the, the sun is flight, and learned too late they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Brave men near death who see with blind, blinding sight, 
Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. I knew my father. There on the sad height. Curse, bless me now with your fierce tears. I pray, do not go gentle to the good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Awesome. One of the best villanelles. All right. So my response poem to Linda Hall's address, um, and this was a great exercise for me because, as you might notice from my constantly correcting myself and holding back from correcting other people, I'm kind of a grammar freak. And so to write in non-standard sentences is difficult. And I forced myself to follow the grammar on this. So this is called Fair for the Ferryman after Linda Hull's address. Hello, death angel, spirit guide, siren. In the thin light, I have found you outlined. I've seen the whispers of your breath fog the window, looked past my reflection to your porcelain mask, have knelt for you behind trash cans and followed you blind to alleys drenched, mattresses stained with you, am weak with being bled for you and yours. Death, you are the chill that catches. Death, you dwell in the thick rush of the heavens beyond each storm's slow fury. You're the white rules on the addict's mirror, the spur in the tracks of her rail-thin arm, the quick switch of the signalman. You are the night outlet. You are the night atlas, landmarked. Death, you sleep with women you order from full-color ads on the back of the voice. Keep mistresses in midtown dungeons, dressed to the nines to play your role in the silence between sunset and streetlight. You are in love, made on corners, in stairwells, in the back seats of taxis. You run the meter, death, you keep the time. You are the lie of living wages. Death, your hands are skilled workers. Death, I am acquainted with famine, your twin. I've seen her fill the beggar's cup, run her tongue along hungry veins, kiss girls starved for love and shut their mouths. I've slept on bone-cold beds made of shadows of bridges, seen women who lie beneath men for shelter, what they look up to. I've met the man who serve you, who mind your accounts, tricks turned fair for the ferryman. I've seen dreams of you. I know the dreamers. I've seen you do your work in their sleep. I've seen waste and ruin. Know your realm for fevered visions, the quiet throes and blackened eyes of the ones you choose. I've seen you dance twilight, your arms, scythes, your face veiled in steam and exhaust. And I've heard you come calling, ready with mums and baby's breath. Death. I have denied you, looked away, wept and kicked and fallen back on you. With neither rue nor grace, you have traced a new map, drawing all roads to you, salting the earth in your stride. Nothing is lost on you, showered in rains spent silver. Death, I will find you outside my door some day when famine has had her fill and the check must be settled. I will let you in. Death, you have demanded your ransom of my friends. You're the currency of the body. Death, I cannot count the cost. Thank you, thank you. So in the interest of time, I guess I'll, I'll read, um, I'll go straight to reading. It's not quite a response per se, but it did kind of, it does, it is in dialogue with Do Not, uh-huh. do not Go Gentle News Tonight. Um, Sorry, I didn't realize how long yeah. those were until uh, I started reading. I'm like, can I skip to the end? No, I can't skip yeah. to the end. <laughs> um, so it's called Versus Nature. Alan strikes a wooden match, 
setting the kindling on fire as I hold up a black umbrella to shield the flames. As the box burns, Jeff asks, What good is starting a campfire in this downpour? It will only die out. Alan remains adamant. I just want to prove we can before lighting an umpteenth, the umpteenth match. For a moment, the fire burns wild colors as the, fuller, as the water falls onto the flames before it finally succumbs to the storm. Stacy prepares this tent for Scrabble as the smoke gently rises. That's so beautiful. Gonna, yeah, it's actually based on a real incident where mm-hmm. we were in a campsite and uh, my friend Alan was trying to light the campfire. And mm-hmm. I, I just felt out, you know, out of context and, and connecting it with death and connecting it with how we, our moments are brief, wondrous experiences yeah. before we succumb to the storm and connecting it with the gentle mm-hmm. aspect. Yeah. Like, like, uh, Campfire Mandala. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so ready for this is ready for your book. And this is our year anniversary of the Truth to Power show. Um, and we'll wait till next year for you guys to call in. You have a year to figure out what to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a All year right. to get your phones on and, <laughs> and figure out what to do, uh, what to talk to us about. So this is about episode forty-six. Uh, we did forty-five episodes so far. And uh, if you want to support our mission, Ready for Brooklyn is a five hundred one C three nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation. And if you're listening and didn't call, yeah. we, we damn well expect you to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you need a, we need to have you It doesn't go in. to us. It goes to keep the roof over our head at 100 Bogart Street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go, go make your monthly pledge at readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate. And this is a, uh, all, all donations are tax deductible to the full extent of the law. And um, if you're interested in helping the community even more, you can find out about our after school program at readyforbrooklyn.org slash after school. Um, if you're listening on your computer, you can uh, find out about the uh, apps for your iPhone or Android. Uh, just go to the app stores, go to readyforbrooklyn.org slash iPhone or slash Android. And make sure to yeah. look up um, BJR Nathan's Facebook page for info about his upcoming work and um, Truth Power Show. Uh, and also check out rockawaywritersworkshop.org. Exactly. Truthpowershow.podomatic.com has the archives of all 45 episodes. Uh, so you can go listen, binge listen as we do Absolutely. now. Absolutely. This next episode, next episode. So it may take you a little while, but... Uh, you know, it's just as good as Netflix, I think. You yeah, got, if you guys show yeah. enough love, maybe VJ and I will uh, we'll do like a uh, a television, like a, <laughs> a web series. <laughs> we should bring it to a television show, right? Yeah. Damn, then I'd have That'd to put makeup on to come here, though. I don't know about that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So we've got uh, two more <laughs> seconds. So uh, thank you so much. Thanks. And yeah, thank you. Uh, so now you can officially turn off your electronics and do your morning writing. Thank you.